Hey, is it Saturday yet? Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) A podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Is It Saturday Yet? Unfortunately, it's not Saturday quite yet, but we're glad to keep you company until it is Saturday. I'm Luke Owens, joined alongside Andrew Diaz. Also, we've got Liam Smith running the controls. Andrew, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Great week one of college football. Pretty good week two coming up. So, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting the thick of it. I'm super pumped for it. Yeah, and perhaps the guy that had the best luck of the three of us last week, Liam Smith, our producer. Liam, great South Carolina pick. A little bit of pressure on you tonight, though, to, to follow that up. It's all about the gut. Gut's feeling okay today, so I think uh, we're, we're all right. I, I hinted at my pick to you earlier, so I've I've uh, had a premonition all day, if you will. Yeah, and I'd rather not talk about my picks last week. Um, Diaz, would you end up going? I know you missed the Boston College pick. I couldn't remember your other two picks. Bad guy, uh, but I, I had Notre Dame plus uh, seven. Oh, there we go. They hit, and then I had Arkansas. I think minus six and a half, and that also hit. Okay, so, I so I'm two and one. The, the BC right. team is just ugly. So I'm the only one that sucks here. That's cool. Um, but I will be better this week. Week one just is trippy. Like the lines are weird. You hadn't seen these teams play. And for me, it got started early. And the early window last week was insane. I mean, there was a time where, you know, App State and UNC are going down to the wire. ECU, NC State are going down to the wire. It's a two-screen kind of time. And I had NC State minus 13 and a half. Looking back on it, not a smart pick by me, just because that rivalry, especially ECU at home, that's it's a weird idea for NC State to travel to ECU. It seems like weird stuff always happens when they go down there. They squeak away with a win after poor Owen Daffer missed not only the extra point to tie the game, but also a 41-yarder as time expired. And then on the other side of things, UNC and App State just going back and forth, back and forth. A 63-61 to win for UNC where it looked like they put it away. App State comes all the way back and then misses their second two-point conversion. And it was an insane day. And that being the start of it, I think, really set the tone for like, okay, we're, we're all the way back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was uh, just wild, especially you didn't really expect a lot of fireworks coming out. Of, like you said, that that uh, early slot of games, especially uh, – you know, I think UNC is a team that's super hyped up every year, um, especially going back to when they had Sam Howell. Now they got Drake May, who I think Drake May is better than Sam Howell and might be the legit guy there. But every year UNC always feels like they've got some type of fool's gold hype around them. And for App State to just absolutely score 40 points in the fourth quarter was ridiculous. And you saw a, a ton of crazy plays. I think it starts with 31 seconds remaining, it, even after App State scores. App State kicks the onside kick, and you just watch, I think, three App State bodies hit the floor at the exact same time as UNC runs it back, and then App State goes down and scores, and Chase Bryce fumbles on the two-point conversion. Uh, Just overall, it it doesn't get better as it starts a week one than a game like that. And like you mentioned before, the NC State-ECU game was also awesome. Uh, Definitely my, my two outside picks to make the college football playoff were both Utah and NC State. Both had, I, I still think, pretty unfortunate luck. While NC State did win, it was just not an impressive win. Even though it's a tough rivalry, uh, being in state, you don't like to see a game like that go down to the wire uh, against an ECU team that'll probably go like five and seven this year. And then Utah getting beat. But uh, overall, like that that morning slot was pretty awesome. 
yeah, it almost felt like, you know, the Oregon Georgia game was starting, but I was like, I'm not moving that to my TV. And right. I didn't even need to, that game sucked. Like that was the game. I was like, okay, three we'll kind of get a little appetizer. I figured Georgia would, would win handily. I didn't think it'd be that handily. So having that in the morning was super nice. And the one thing I will say about NC state, yes, they were my, one of my dark horses too. We kind of were in agreement about Utah and NC state. I am worried, but you know, Leary had a bad game and I don't expect him to be that bad every single week. And they've got a few weeks to kind of gear up towards uh, that game against Clemson. So I'm hoping they can kind of right the ship before then, because this is kind of a trap rivalry type game. So, you know, Yes, they got away with one, but at least they came away with a win. Um, you know, we can't say that about Utah, but Utah did play a, a pretty good Florida team. But, yeah, once we turned towards, like, the 330 window, it felt like, all right, uh, wh- what are we doing here with this Georgia-Oregon game? Because it was just disgusting. It was a, just an utter beatdown. And, and, like I mentioned last week, you know, I, I thought there could be some upset potential. I didn't think that there would be, but, I mean, you're always looking at that when you get – two top 15 teams playing. And I really thought Georgia lost so much with having, I think six guys go in the first round, another guy go in the third round on your defense and Dan Lanning coaching Oregon. You lose the guy that was the, the guy conducting that defense last year. And I mean, they just didn't skip a beat. And I, I don't know if that's proving the, the difference and like the dominance that the sec has, or if it's proving how bad the Pac-12 actually is, where really the two best teams in the Pac-12 just got beat by two SEC teams. And one of them was an absolute beatdown in that Oregon-Georgia game. It it was pretty ugly to watch. I think I only watched about one quarter of it, and it, it turned into Bo Nix being a fraud, which probably hurts you a little bit more seeing. Going back to the bet you lost, I think, what, two or three years ago, it just got to hurt yeah. you more. Yeah, there are a lot of there's a lot of Bo Nick slander going on Twitter, and I kind of understand it. But he's like, I don't know. Like you look at him; he's such like a. It feels like he was the perfect Auburn quarterback, like the pretty Southern boy. Like it doesn't fit at Oregon. Like seeing Bo Nix in like a flashy jersey doesn't really add up for me. And it, it went it went very it went south very quickly. And I think I think Stetson Bennett really might have gotten better. Like he he looked really good. I thought that. You know, the receiving core looked really good as we expected. And I don't know, they're they're still a wagon. Like if anyone was doubting Georgia was going to, you know, be lackluster on defense or maybe their offense wouldn't be as good, like they're they're still a wagon. Yeah, and it is crazy because Stetson Bennett was even last year when they won the national championship, I still thought was kind of a fringe type of guy at quarterback where was carried by his defense. But now it looks like he's really you know, stepping up and is going to be a, a real weapon on offense versus a guy that will just be a system guy for you and, and kind of just move the needle when you need him to. Now it looks like he'll actually take over games and, and be a real game manager and, and kind of make life easier for that Georgia defense. And, you know, like you said, the receiving core really showed out with Kenny McIntosh and, um, you know, Brock Bowers didn't really do a lot, but he still was productive. I mean, there's just so many weapons that it's tough to get the ball to everybody. So, I mean, you'll have, I think, five different guys this year just have massive games for Georgia in the receiving game. It's crazy. Yeah, and Darnell Washington seemed to be, like, the biggest impact. He only had two catches, but, like, that was the Twitter clip that everyone was talking about because he was was really hurt, and that's kind of how Bowers got unlocked. But if you have those two guys at tight end, like, it's not fair. Like, they literally remind me of if you suited up the Georgia mascot and put them on the field, like – the big like collar with like the spikes on the shoulder. Like no one wants to tackle them. They're, they're monsters. 
Yeah, it, it's well, especially now you look at their tight end room. If when Arik Gilbert comes back to, is probably the most one of the most terrifying position groups in all of college football. It, it's an absolute. It's so scary when your six seven two hundred and sixty pound tight end is a seventh option in, on your offense. That's just absolutely terrifying. I think that's just the SEC difference, you know, really, uh, really being shown there. Yeah, and in the nightcap, I thought Notre Dame looked really good. I mean, yes, they end up losing the game 21 to 10, but, you know, they led 10 to 7 at halftime. I thought they played Ohio State's offense, I think, as well as we're going to see a team play them, at least in the regular season. You know, maybe Georgia's defense can give them a good run or, you know, maybe Alabama, who knows, but. You know, in terms of the regular season, I don't think we're going to see another team hold Ohio State to 21 points. And, you know, the offense, it kind of felt to me all game like it was like, okay, I just don't think Notre Dame's going to be able to score. And they they weren't really able to. But I thought the way that Notre Dame prepared defensively is, you know, you want to say a blueprint game, but I just don't know if anyone else has the talent that Notre Dame's defense has to replicate it. And that impressed me a lot. Like, I, I honestly thought Ohio State was going to blow them out. And the fact that Notre Dame even hung around, I know it's, you know, there's no moral victories, but the fact they were able to hang around in week one when you don't really know what you're going to have, I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, the only team I'd say that could maybe keep them in check like that would be Michigan. But I think yeah. with them playing them so late in the season, I think you're going to see guys like Stroud, Henderson, and uh, Smith and Jigba really catch their stride and uh, just just be at their absolute peak best. When you catch them, th- this was the perfect time for – Notre Dame to play them week one because there's a lot of stuff that they're trying to figure out a new defensive coordinator overall in that first half they look good I mean they look super stout and then their defense still played really well in the second half offense just sputtered because Ohio State made enough changes defensively to to shut down both the pass game and the run game that Tyler Buckner was getting in the first half that kind of kept drives alive for them so yeah I'm not as a Notre Dame fan I'm not disappointed I was pretty happy with I shouldn't say happy with the outcome, but more pleased and and I should say proud because I I think a lot of people thought this game was going to be a a big blowout, especially with that 17 point spread. It just worked out in probably the best way possible other than a win. I thought Ohio State committing to run the ball that much, but I was a little bit surprised. Like they're a team that usually refuses to commit to the run. I think that's actually a good thing. I mean, they let Henderson get his touches. They let Williams get his touches and Notre Dame did a good job you know, overall shutting them down. But I was expecting Ohio State to try to throw the ball like 50 times like they usually do, and they really didn't. So I don't know if that's a good sign for Ohio State or what. I mean, it doesn't help that, you know, Smith and Jigba gets hurt, you know, right out of the gate, and he's not really able to be a factor. But, you know, I I like Ohio State trying to run the ball a little bit. I think this was a game that both teams kind of come away being happy because, you know, Ohio State, yeah, they would have liked to lay some points. But, I mean, their defense looked better. I don't know if it's just because, you know, Buckner is young and Notre Dame couldn't really get the, the run game going. But I thought overall Ohio State has to be pretty happy with the way their defense played too. Yeah, completely agree, especially now you're under – I mean, the past few years their defense has kind of been what's holding them back. With Jim Knowles now stepping in as the defensive coordinator, you're seeing just a lot more of the coverage is shifting – it's a lot tougher for especially a young quarterback like Buckner to recognize stuff like that when the coverages are changing so much pre-snap. And I mean, Knowles really turned up the pressure in the second half, switched around the fronts too, which probably confused Buckner a little bit. And, you know, that's what happens when you have a young inexperienced quarterback trying to lead your team. And, and, you know, when it comes time to look at the college football playoff, no one's really going to remember that Ohio state only won this game by 11. It's just going to be another top 10 win under their belt. I think when it comes down to it, um, 
And that's really all you need on your resume. Because I think Notre Dame will maybe win out, maybe drop a game to Clemson down the line. But this is just a really impressive win for Ohio State on their resume uh, when it comes time to, to pick teams for the playoff. Unfortunately, one of our teams that we both liked was not able to pick up a nice win for the resume. That's Utah. Yep. <sighs> sad, sad, sad ending for Utah. Cam rising, throwing the interception when it looked like, you know, they could have taken the lead. They could have tied it. Anything but throwing into essentially double coverage there, trying to force a throw. And I like Cam rising, but he tried to do too much there. He, he did. And I thought Utah, if they could have just come away with a win in any facet, it would have been so impressive. You know, going to the swamp, Anthony Richardson was running the ball all, all over the place, had, you know, the coolest highlight reel two-point conversion of all time. And I, I'm just sad. I, I know Utah's got a lot of games ahead of them. And, and you know, if USC is good and – I don't know if Oregon's going to be good, but if they can bounce back, they've got a chance for some wins, but this really felt like a big moment for them. And I'm just sad that they kind of fell short. Yeah. This was a devastating week for the PAC 12. Um, I almost think it's more devastating that USC beat rice. That's almost just like worse than Utah losing to Florida. (laughs) It's just pretty pathetic overall. Um, But yeah. And and, you know, you, you kind of were right last week a little bit. They, they really relied Utah on Tavion Thomas the big back. I mean, they gave him the ball 23, 24 times this game. He had 115 yards and a touchdown. So they really did establish that run game and rising. Well, well, Richardson looked like a stud running the ball rising still had over 90 yards rushing and kind of did the most that he could. I don't think this was a lack of Utah, Utah's effort. It was more of just Florida's just a better team that I guess I didn't personally, I didn't see coming. I, we didn't really see a ton of Richardson last year. And then, he comes out and runs for three touchdowns and over 100 yards while also being, I wouldn't say good through the air, but just efficient and clean. He didn't turn the ball over uh, throwing. So that's kind of all you need out of him. So I'm, I'm actually really excited for them to play Kentucky this week because you get two guys like Will Levis and Richardson facing off that are, you know, living in the shadow of uh, Bryce Young and the hype of Spencer Rattler as well. So this that'll be an exciting matchup, but this Florida team looks really, really good and is going to be an exciting team. They are, and, and I wonder with this week against Kentucky, you know, can they kind of defend what they just did? You know, can they go out and beat a really good Kentucky team and a really good quarterback in Levis? And, you know, I, I was watching a little bit of Kentucky last week. Tavion Robinson looks like a stud. Mm-hmm. The, the transfer receiver they got over from Virginia Tech. And you guys were talking about in the group chat earlier. I, I need the take on the on the Will Levis mayo in the coffee situation because I'm not a coffee guy, mm-hmm. but I kind of I kind of have a take on this. And I, I was wondering, you know, was it circling the news again? Because I know it happened a few months ago where people were really up in arms about it. Did something new come out or is it just like was it just something that you guys were talking about? I may just be a victim of an old tweet, but I saw it and it was repulsive, and I retweeted it on the Student Union account, and I think Diaz did the same on his own account. So I'm not sure if it's new or if uh, – what What do you know there, Diaz? I think it's going to just be one of these things that continues to circle back like every three to four months. Um, you see a lot of stuff, like especially in college football, a lot of memes that will recirculate every few months, and – this is just one that is going to, I think, stick with Levis. I mean, it originally started with Levis. The way he eats a banana, he doesn't peel. Oh, yeah. He just bites right into it like it's an apple or a pear. Which <laughs> He's Levis doing this sick. on purpose, right? He's just doing it. He, he doesn't actually enjoy this. He just wants the attention. He's a sick individual. This is just like his daily routine if he's doing this. Like if that's his breakfast, 
when he's running out of the house, uh, black coffee with mayonnaise and a, a full banana. That's just <laughs> absolutely repulsing. But I was more disgusted by not the mayo is weird. It's the amount of mayo that he put in the coffee that I oh, okay. very bizarre. It it's was a lot like six pumps of it. And it wasn't okay, yeah. just like the normal where a little bit comes out. It's like the weird top where like a couple big drops of it come out and he mixes it up. It didn't look like it was mixed very well either when he went to take a sip. So I think you wouldn't put chunky creamer or chunky almond milk in your coffee. It, it, it's, I look at that as the same. If you're using that as a creamer, that's just pretty gross overall. It, it, it's, it, it, it's concerning to say the least. I love mayo and I love coffee, but it's one of those combinations your brain never even thinks of. You, it doesn't even register the first time I saw it. So, I, you know, it's it's sick and I'm disgusted by it. That's well, I just I, want to say that. I'm known to be someone that maybe tweets food opinions every once in a while that people get mad about. Um, so I don't know if maybe he was going for that, but the amount of mayo, that's what that's what gets me. I think like if it was like a spoonful of mayo, I don't think that's that out of out of bounds you know yes what it is, is mayo mayo it's and like coffee is out of bounds <laughs> no <laughs> it's like bounds. it's like a creamer it's like a creamer it's just a different kind of creamer you know whatever take, it's, creamer. It, it's uh it, it's it, it's certain stuff you see on the internet like one that i've tried that wasn't bad was like peanut butter and pickles this is when i look at that I, I have no desire down the line to attempt to try even at my most bored or or intrigued this is stay away from me uh, type of behavior. It, it's, well, again, concerning behavior. It, it, it's really gross. This is All kind right. of an old thing and not as gross. It's a it, it's a callback to King of Queens, but a mayo dog, hot do- a hot dog with mayonnaise on it, Oof. I'm all about that. Yeah, that's uh, not bad. I don't know. I, I don't know, know I just I... wage war on mayo and coffee, but mayo on a dog, not bad. A little bacon, a little cheese, it's delicious. Mayo's great, but the thought of mayo sometimes is gross. Like, if you just think about what mayo is, it's like, all right. But, like, it's a staple. I need it on a sandwich. I'm not going to knock mayo. I'm not going to knock anyone, honestly. I'm, I'm cool with Will Levis doing that, honestly. I think – I don't know. I feel like don't knock until you try it. I don't know if I'd be cool with it. it just It's it's weird. It's really weird. I, all right. We don't trust the decision-making. It's fine. You um, should but, try it this week. See, the, the only issue is I'm not a coffee guy. That that's oh. where, that's what the issue is. If I like, that will, I'll try it. I don't. I I just not a coffee enjoyer. I think. All right, listen. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll put this out there right now. Maybe Diaz will be on board. Maybe he won't. Syracuse and UConn are playing this week. If Syracuse covers at twenty two and a half, you go Mayo Coffee. If they don't, I'll go Mayo Coffee. I'll make that deal. I'll all right, that. let's do it. Let's do it. Twenty two and a half is the number. Liam, do you want to? How about Liam? You got to jump on a side. You going to roll with the Cuse or roll with the Huskies? <laughs> I always roll with Syracuse because of Eric Dungey. And he doesn't okay. even exist anymore. I just saw him win a lot of games with no arms. So we're going to go Eric Dungey. And, yeah, I guess, Luke, we're probably going to be drinking mayo just because yeah. We've been island always boys. lets me down. We've been island boys. Now we're mayo boys. I- I'm cool with that deal. If Diaz is in, I'm in. I'm in. My stomach just turned, but I, I, I'm in. I'm puking right. thinking about it. Yeah, my mouth. Ugh. I'm excited. I have to be honest. I think it's a win-win for me. Either I get to try a, a <laughs> delicacy or Syracuse steamrolls Yukon. So I think I'm in a good spot here. Yeah, Maybe, maybe this will like make it. you a coffee fan. It could it could turn you into a coffee right. fan. Right. 
I've tried everything. You know, I've tried the 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 white girl order, if you will, like the caramel, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I've tried just normal coffee. I don't know. It just doesn't get me. I want to enjoy it. I just I just don't yet. Maybe I still got to grow up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just run on pure adrenaline, baby. Um, but anyways, <laughs> some other headlines from week one. Uh, LSU, that, that was the game. LSU, Florida State. I had the over 40 and a half. It was like if you go to the doctor's office and you have like a really serious disease, I'm not going to throw a disease out there. Cause you know, I don't want, I don't want this to be made in jest, but you know, you, you've got a deadly disease and your doctor says, you know what? You're, you're clear of it. You're good. That's how I felt when LSU scored the, the touchdown to tie the game. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is a miracle. I can't believe it. I'm living. We're going to hit this over. And then you leave the doctor's office and a, a brick falls on your head and you die. Like that's what it, Felt like, like it was in the perfect spot where I'm feeling great about my life. You know, I can't, I'm whistling as I walk out the door and then bang, it's like a cartoon anvil drops on my head and they get the extra point block. So I know it was a great moment of joy for you. I'm sure Andrew, as a Notre Dame fan, I haven't even asked you what you think of Brian Kelly, but I, I have a feeling based on how every other Notre Dame was fan was reacting. It was a great moment. But for me, a guy that had the over, it really sucked. I, my biggest takeaway was just, Brian Kelly really instilled confidence into I think the whole LSU fan base when he came out at halftime and said, uh, you know, we can't play worse than that, or we can. I thought that instilled uh, a lot of confidence, but almost to kind of defend him, he's never been great with the media, especially uh, after the Florida State game last year at Notre Dame when they barely won. He said, I'm a fan of execution and, and made a joke pretty much about executing his players. I think he was trying to joke around. He just doesn't um, seem like a very humorous individual. But, I mean, watching them just melt down um, in the first half and watching – it was tough to root for Florida State as a Notre Dame fan, but that, that Florida State team is very fun to watch, especially when they're running reverse flea flickers. They're running the ball very nicely and playing really well on defense and bringing a lot of pressure. It is, I think, what was just a blast to watch and almost makes it the, the ACC a lot more uh, competitive seeing – how good this Florida State really could be. Um, so overall, I mean, yeah, I was pumped to watch uh, Brian Kelly lose. Um, up here at school, we got a couple of Louisiana guys on our team. So when we rolled up to practice that next morning, it was uh, I, I, I was sky high. I did not care that uh, Notre Dame lost. I was so fired up. It was awesome. I'm not a big Jaden Daniels guy, to be honest. Um, yeah. The way he led that last drive was was impressive. But I don't know, something about, like, I feel like after he left Arizona State, the way his teammates reacted, that kind of told me something. Uh, maybe about how he was received in that locker room. And, you know, it's it's tough because this LSU team isn't expected to be great. But I think with Brian Kelly being there, that added expectations there. And as for Florida State, I'm not a Florida State guy either. There's mm-hmm. actually a video of me. Uh, after Syracuse blew him out 31 to seven, uh, ESPN was like doing the crowd shot and you just see me doing the chop with my Syracuse jersey <laughs> on, uh, back when Syracuse was good back in the Eric Dungey days. Um, but Jordan Travis is fun to watch. Like last year I was a little bitter cause I thought Syracuse would have beat them. There wasn't a holding call called whatever, but you know, Jordan Travis, I thought was fun to watch. And I don't think this Florida state team is going to do a lot of damage, but I mean, if they could, you know, they've got Louisville next. Uh, they've, they've got to buy them. they got Louisville. Like, that's a winnable game, BC. But then they go Wake, NC State, Clemson. They've got some tough games in there. But if work. somehow they could be undefeated or one loss when they play Clemson, that's an awesome game. Like, that's a, something I would root for just to see that rivalry actually have something again. You, you've got to kind of be pumped. An upstate New York guy, Jared Verse, uh, 
out of Albany, um, transferring to Florida State with two sacks. I thought that was a fun storyline to watch with him. But then I, the, the play that really solidified Jordan Travis as like a fun player to watch was seeing him get decapitated. I mean, a, a they sh- I don't even think they needed to review the target. Yeah. Tap them on the <laughs> no. shoulder and like, go hit the showers, buddy. You're, you're good for the game. Um, you're out of here. And, and But watching him deliver a perfect ball on that throw, when even like the flea flicker, when he had no pressure, was a little underthrown, but he's taking an absolute hit to the dome was just unreal. And he delivers a perfect ball, was just a fun play to watch and and, and kind of encapsulated his game. It, it was awesome uh, watching that Florida State team play, um, especially a guy like Ontario Wilson as well, just ball out. It was overall a, a blast, but I, I was pretty bummed out to see, you know, some of the injuries that, um, LSU suffered during that game. I thought Ojalari was going to be coming out a little earlier. Um, then you see Mason Smith go down with a knee injury after he celebrates. So you never like to see that, especially with good players. But I was pumped to watch LSU lose. That was awesome. When Travis got hit, I literally tweeted. I was like, how does he just like get up and like celebrate? I was like, does he know where he is? Like he got so like that was the easiest roughing, you know, targeting call of all time. He got smoked. That's why the rule was put in place for hits where – a, guys leave their feet, and B, they lead with the crown of their helmet. It wasn't even like he attempted to put his head up when he made the hit. It was the clear top of his helmet right to the jaw of Jordan Travis, and he just absolutely ate that. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, some other notes I had. So I like to do this. Like I, I used to do my top 25 rankings last year. Maybe I'll get them going this year. I like to write like little little tidbits on like things that I see. And this is, this is my other notes. I said, Georgia still rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bama rules. Cincy is feisty. I thought Cincy put up a lot better fight than I thought. I was expecting yeah. Arkansas to really roll. I go to Twitter and I see people, oh, this just proves Cincinnati didn't belong. They lost so much talent on both sides of the ball. And they hung around with a really good Arkansas team. I was impressed with them. Uh, I said, Houston UTSA classic. That game was awesome. The flip two point conversion, the two point conversion rule kind of sucks, but for a moment like that, it was cool. Uh, and then, I, of course, I had to end with this. And I know you want to talk with us as well. I said, what in the world is Iowa's offense? <laughs> what a game uh, in Iowa with the 7-3 the to three win, not by a touchdown, but with a field goal and two safeties. That's Iowa football, baby. <laughs> um, again, like, like I said about Will Levis, it's concerning, to say the least. It's not good. Um you know, it, but uh, th- this is uh, a true game. If you're an absolute sicko that loves college football, that you kind of like to watch, I turned it on for I think a quarter and was it, it was pretty brutal to see. But uh, and, and this kind of go- this will go with uh, one of my picks later, uh, revolving Iowa. But I mean, this doesn't instill confidence at all in the Hawkeye fan base. I think especially when you see teams in the Big Ten looking good, uh, like how like Ohio State, uh, Michigan. Michigan State, like you see a lot of teams that I thought I would be up there with, um, with good wins against teams, whether they're good or not. Uh, and then you see your team go out there and barely beat uh, FCS South Dakota State. So um, o- overall, I mean, it, seeing four points being scored in the final two quarters is just <laughs> disgusting. It's wild, but uh, it, it really kind of uh, personifies Big Ten football and Iowa uh, to a T where they'll just win games so close, but still be, I guess, somewhat dominant if they play a decent team. That's usually how it is in years past. Yeah. And week one was, I thought was awesome overall, but looking to week two, it's kind of like, 
not like not like a hangover, but there aren't as many great games across the board. I mean, we know college football. There's going to be instant classics out of games we won't expect. But, I mean, looking at the big games this week, I think Baylor-BYU is at the top of my list. Um, mm-hmm. I was very wrong about BYU. I thought they would struggle on the road. Um, that game was over in the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. I think Liam hopped on USF with me. I'd like to apologize for that. Uh, BYU still a wagon. <laughs> USF is another one of those teams for me, though. That if they're just if someone says USF, I'll bet on them. Similar to Eric Dungy, Quentin Flowers. It's just yes. I, I think they have that, that guy. And it's like yeah. all right, I jump on it. Like he was on an XFL team as a backup, and I was taking them. So it's you know I I hear USF. I hear Luke saying it, and yeah, I'll, I'll sink on that ship. Think of Quentin. Think of, sorry to interrupt, but like thinking of Quentin Flowers, like it, I just think of like the gold USF helmet that they were running out there for a few years, playing at the Buck Stadium. Like, come on, you gotta, you gotta roll with Quentin Flowers. He was awesome. Those, those uniform uniforms were so atrocious, especially when like <laughs> they mixed the pink in, yep. like neon green, the the forest green, the the like eat like a different shade of like neon green, which is like lime, like a weirder lime green with gold was it, it looked like just after you eat a lot of candy and you throw up and they just threw that like a it. sophomore graphic design major design that or something he was like this is sick this, like, this, this is no cool this this is awesome yeah and speaking of green and gold teams baylor i i wish this was one of my locks last week i only noticed it right before kickoff they were 40 i want to say 43 and a half point favorites against albany or something like that and the over under was 46 like it was one of those like Albany's going to score three. They're going to score 43, and we're going to get the under. I hammered the over. It hit like a minute into the third quarter. So I wish I realized that before, but that was just one of those lines I saw. And I think this is going to be a fun game. Yeah. Baylor hasn't been good on the road, uh, especially lately, and like in a game in BYU. I think they're going to struggle. I think BYU can win this game pretty handily. But uh, th- I think this is the game that, that I'm most excited for just from, you know, it's two top 25 teams. You know, Baylor's a top 10 team, but. BYU getting three points as a home favorite. I I, I kind of like BYU in this game. Um, I don't like BYU from the sense that I really like Baylor's defense. Um, I, I really think you saw a change last year, especially with uh, Dave Aranda coming in as the head coach. And then you, you watch a lot of guys come out of their shell last year, a guy that's in the NFL now in Jalen Petrie. And then one of my favorite college football players right now in Seca Ica, who I think is the, the best uh, interior defensive lineman in all of college football. Their defense is just so stout. I mean, obviously, you really can't base a lot off of what we saw this past week. So I kind of just got to go off what I saw last year and the guys that they got returning. But with Seca Ike in the middle, it's going to be tough for BYU to run the ball, which they like to do. They did that a lot last year with Tyler Allgaier in the backfield. Um, and I think you're going to try to – you're going to see that theme of, again with them this season. So I think the run game will be kind of eaten up by that Baylor front seven and I, I do like Baylor enough on offense, but I, I, this is going to be, I think, maybe other than the Kentucky game, the Kentucky-Florida game, I think this could be the best game that we see this uh, during this week two of college football. I'm glad we finally disagree on something. That's good. Like, we have too much agreement. Like, I know when Hoppe gets on here, I'm going to disagree. Every, like, he sent me his picks this week, and I'm literally on the opposite of everyone. So, like, it's good that we're having some disagreements here. And it's just something about BYU, 10, 15 kick. I'm addicted to it. I can't, I can't get off of it. It's like, you know, I said last week, I hated betting against them because I love them as a 10, 15 team. So it's, it's tough for me to go against them at on a 10, 15 kickoff. Yep. 
the atmosphere is going to be electric, but I'm excited for that game. You know, Kentucky, Florida, I think Tennessee Pitt has a chance to be a really good game because last year was an instant classic and, you know, Pitt survives against West Virginia. I think that's a game that they're just happy to win a rivalry game like that. And I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Pitt this week, like six and a half point dogs. I know Tennessee's offense is awesome, but I'm still not going to trust Tennessee's defense until I see them make a stop against a power five team. Um, so I think that's a, a really fun game too. Yeah, Tennessee to me is a bit like how I feel like I feel about Rutgers, where every year I don't care how good they are. I mean, they could bring Peyton Manning back in his prime, and I'd still be like, hey, it's Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, they could blow this game. There's always that possibility. They could just do what they've done the past four or five years. Um, so I really do like Pitt in this. I just think that West Virginia game, I mean, they're West Virginia not being ranked, I think, is what made people think like, oh, this Pitt team is not, not legit. You lost Pickett. You lost Addison. But this Pitt team is still very good. Um, you know, that rivalry was had a lot of pent-up aggression. It was a couple years in the making as well to get the backyard brawl back. So I, I think with them sliding past West Virginia, they're going to be real ready for this Tennessee team. And I, I like them a lot against Tennessee this week. We've got to ask this question. Does Texas have any chance of hanging around with Alabama? <laughs> no, no. I, I, it, it's, I, and I am so excited. It's like the year uh, USC went down to Bama to open the season and play them, and there was so much hype. USC got new Jordans. They came out. Like their entrance, they, they, it was all flashy, and Alabama put the absolute smackdown on them. I just feel the same way. I think Texas is going to be riding high after beating uh, Monroe which is, you know, good win for you guys. Good, good one and no start. Congrats. Uh, prepare to be one and one after just getting absolutely thumped by a team that I think has the two best players in all of college with Bryce Young and Will Anderson. It, it's, it, it really is uh, uh, egregious, the, the teams that Alabama puts on the field every year. It's scary and just isn't fair, especially when you get Texas. Quinn Ewers is going to be running for his life in the pocket. It, it's not going to be pretty for them. Yeah, I agree. I just like to think, you know, maybe sneaky noon kickoff, you know, in Austin. Like, that's a tough environment to go to. But, yeah, yeah I think I think Alabama probably rolls. And the last game we'll talk about quickly here, the game of the week. I saved it for now. Syracuse and UConn, of course, Absolutely. is what I'm talking about. Primetime CBS Sports Network. And look, I'm not going to say Syracuse is back, but they might be back. They, they took Louisville to the woodshed. Like, they contained Malik Cunningham. The defense looked great. Sean Tucker, 100 yards and a touchdown on the ground, 84 yards and a touchdown through the air. I'm not completely sold. It's going to take a little bit for me to be sold, but I'm, I'm excited. Like, I was not expecting to be sitting here and saying that Syracuse blew out Louisville. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good going to this UConn game. Yeah, I mean, U- UConn's going to win this game. Like, I, I just feel so good about it where uh, we're going to pack the rent. The rent's good. It's a seven o'clock kickoff. In yeah, I saw you guys had what twenty four percent of your attendance last week. That's a new record. I saw 56 percent <laughs> attendance, twenty four thousand in uh, in attendance. You know, real good. Um, no, I, I I think UConn covers. I think it's a big spread. I but watching Syracuse do what they did to Louisville was uh, pretty pr- pretty eye opening. Um, I, I think. Um, but having UConn coming off of the win against Central, I do feel a little bit better. If this was a week two game where they were playing, or a week one game after they lose the Utah State, I'd be more concerned. Um, they have the tune-up win under their belt. You know, they really did what they needed to do against an FCS opponent. They didn't, it wasn't like when they played Holy Cross last year where they lost, or Yale where they kind of got taken down to the wire. 
they went out and won by 25 points and did what they had to do. Um, I'm concerned a bit about Zion Turner at quarterback just because he needs to just play more clean. He had, a, I believe, a fumble and an interception. Uh, but the, the run game for UConn looks just so good right now. Nate Carter, two games over 120 yards in both of them, is is really the, the engine that drives that UConn offense. And the D-line got after it. Um, you know, changed up a lot of their their uh, fronts and, and threw a lot more stunts at CCSU and had three sacks, five TFLs. It, it, it's all coming together right now, and it's going to be a big storm. It's going to be the biggest win in UConn history in the past eight years, I think, at the rent. It's going to be crazy. It would only be, what, their seventh win in the last eight years? So, I mean, it, it would be pretty – there's not a lot to go up against. <laughs> uh, re- relax. We'll, we'll calm it down. <laughs> no, we, we don't, we no don't trust me. I'm not getting cocky because this is such a game that Syracuse would just lose. Like, oh, yeah, Syracuse. Like, everyone's like, oh, Syracuse is back. I don't know if it's been going on in UConn, but, you know, working at ESPN Syracuse, like, you know, being kind of within the media scrum and things like that, like, you hear, like, everyone keeps asking the players and, like, the coaches, like, what is it? Like, is this still a rivalry? I was like, I don't know. I mean, it was never really a rivalry, like, yeah. on, in the in the football side of things. Like, I don't really see it as a rivalry. I just see it as, like, you know, it's it's cool that they're playing for sure, but, like, this isn't Syracuse-UConn basketball. Like, I, I don't I don't know why they're trying to kind of push that. And I know, um, you know, Moore was saying, like, I don't care about rivalries either. So I, I feel like everyone's been asking, but, like, let's not force a rivalry that's not there. Well, two things. It, like you said, it, I mean, UConn-Syracuse basketball hasn't been a rivalry since UConn left the big, no, they don't play back. anymore. It sucks. Um, but I, that's the one thing I don't like about Mora. I wish he forced more rivalries. I really was a fan of the civil conflict with Bob Diaco. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite games of the year. I don't know where the I trophy like that. is. My life mission <laughs> is to find where the civil conflict trophy is. It's probably somewhere down in South Florida. So um, I, I have to find that. But oh yeah, I, I do like that about Mora that he's not going to be forcing stuff like this. Diaco was. So rah rah, like we're starting the rivalry. UCF had no clue. They're like, I, I guess we're doing this rivalry. Maybe I'm not sure what this is, but uh, I'm excited for the game. I mean, if UConn keeps it close and, and kind of just there, I think right now what they're doing is the proper first step in rebuilding the program and instilling confidence in the fan base. You, you lose by 11 to the Mountain West champs last year. You win by 20 against a team that you should win by 20 against. And now this is going to be a real test against the Syracuse team that looks tough, looks good on the ground. And if you hang with them between like a 10, 15 point game and really just play tough and don't give up in the fourth quarter, that's really all the fan base needs right now. It's, it's red meat for them. So as long as they do that, I'm going to be pretty, pretty thrilled about it. Yeah, we'll call it the Mayo Bowl uh, in, in the student U realm. I was like I was in the about past to say the, Oh, sorry about that, Diaz. But I was going to say the Mayo Bowl could reignite this rivalry and all. Yeah, we need a trophy. We need a trophy, or at least what a trophy would look like—a little coffee cup, the Mayo mm. going into it. It could be nice. It could be nice. So, yeah, the bronze coffee cup with like a little hand pouring the Mayo in could be a nice little touch. Yeah, Liam, get our team on that. Uh- <laughs> I'll text you guys right now. <laughs> but we're, uh, we're we're wrapping up this episode. We've got to get to our picks. And our guy Liam, 1-0 with his producer picks. Great pick, South Carolina. And I, I think you nailed it. The vibe in South Carolina when the lights were going and the and the music was bumping, it was awesome. They they cover easily against Georgia State. I'll say easily. It got – it was a little – It started slower than I wanted to. I, I said that we'd, yes. we'd have it covered by the end of the first half. That was not the case. 
But things, you know, went our way towards the end. It wasn't the prettiest win. I think Arkansas will be the real test this weekend. But uh, not with South, not going with South Carolina this week. Again, firing from the hip, going with my gut. I like Army. Uh, I liked them last weekend, and they lost by, I want to say, 10 to Coastal. Uh in my head, I was just thinking a bunch of cadets coming in to face uh, Diaz. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. They're cadets, right? A bunch of yeah, cadets. cadets. <laughs> a bunch of cadets coming in to face some guys that have been doing their preseason in Myrtle Beach. I thought that was easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a big defensive line over there at Coastal Carolina. I was looking at the stats in there, or not the stats, but I was looking at their roster. They've got a couple guys over 6'4 pushing 270 on that D line. And. That's, you know, Army football just can't work against that. Uh, so I did a little research. They got UTSA this weekend. Tallest guy on the line, 6'2", that starts. Uh, you know, that could be me overlooking someone, but I, I think that's pretty accurate. They look like they have a much smaller defensive line. And uh, I like Army to get back to basics. I always like Army because you always know what to expect with them. So I like them to run it down the throat. They're at plus 2.5 right now. Uh, I may sprinkle a little on money line too but uh that two and a half works they threw for two touchdowns last week which i think was more out of desperation than anything because you never see army throwing like that but they had to get creative there uh but i like them to just get back to basics this week so army plus two and a half that's the producer pick last last week was not a good week for the armed forces uh mm-hmm. as uh, navy loses to delaware that was just I was going to ask, Liam, did you get your Navy bet in? You were trying to get it in. They ended up losing outright to Delaware. No, I was talking about it. I was gauging it, and then I just didn't take it, and I looked at it later and was like, thank God. I didn't even look at it later. I looked at it at the end of, like, the second quarter. Yeah, brutal. But, yeah, not not a good week for this. I like that Army pick, though. I think UTSA a little hangover after a tough loss against Houston. I like that. They got to go to West Point. Come on now. Noon kickoff? I like that. Um, but time for, for me and Diaz. Diaz 2-1 last week. Don't want to talk about myself last week, but I, I don't think I want to – I didn't win a single game I put on here. I know that for a fact. So I've got to bounce back. And I'm going to start it off with a game that I talked about earlier. I like Pitt plus six and a half against Tennessee. I think last week was a big trap game for Pitt. And, you know, West Virginia barely covered. I had him at seven and a half. But I think Pitt, you know, at home, weird game. Tennessee's defense got to show me something. And I thought Slovis looked pretty good in that first week. So I think six and a half is too many points. Uh, so I'm going to take Pitt to cover that number against Tennessee. I like that. I, I like that pick. Um, so my first one, I'm going back to the well, the Razorback well, Woo Pig Suey. I like the yes. minus eight against uh, South Carolina. I wouldn't have picked this if it was uh, in South Carolina, especially with uh, Sandstorm playing and the light show going off. But, uh, you know, I, I like them at home. You know, they, they played good against Cincinnati. I, I definitely think I was surprised by how good Cincinnati said, uh, played, like you had mentioned. Uh, after losing their four best players from last year. But um, I feel pretty comfortable about this. Um, I would like it to be more around like seven or six and a half. That would be nice. But I do like this eight-point spread here. So I'm going to go Arkansas minus eight. You know, they they look good against good competition. It's just going to be another good win on their resume, I think, uh, uh, for, for the season. All right, I like that. I'm going to add that. I'm going to play that this weekend. I love, I love Arkansas, so I'm all over it. Um, my second pick. I'm going to go with Miami Southern Miss over 54 and a half. Uh, Miami, 70 points last week. I know it was against Bethune-Cookman, the the real ringers that get beat up in week one every single year. 
Um, but, you know, Southern Miss defense, not very good. Um, and the one thing Miami did struggle with at times was the run. You know, Frank Gore Jr., sometimes a running back, sometimes a quarterback, given the, given the set. Uh, I think they can score more than Bethune-Cookman. And, you know, 54 and a half seems low. I think Miami can yeah. can get to 48 or 50, and then you just need a touchdown from Southern Miss. And I think Cristobal wants to kind of not run off the score, but I think he wants his guys to put on a good performance because this is a program that's trying to get back to relevance, that's trying to, mm-hmm. you know, pack the stadium. So I, I like this uh, over 54 and a half. That's another one that's nice. Uh, yeah, pack, pack, pack hard rock. That would be nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my next one, uh, a game we talked about, Bama versus Texas. Uh, right now I have it at Alabama minus 20. I think that's like free money right now. It, it's just, like I said, Alabama's just so good every year after year. And I think, again, like I mentioned, this is going to be a little bit like the USC game. I know that uh, they're going to Texas right now, but it, it's still, I, I just think there's a lot of hype right now around Quinn Ewers and the whole Texas team. I just think Alabama is going to go in. They're, they're so disciplined and have just such good players at every position that this minus 20 fields. I, I feel very confident about it. Yeah, I think Alabama is going to want to go just lay some wood. Like, there's no slow starts for Alabama. Like, Nick Saban's going to have them ready for this game. Uh, I think that atmosphere maybe even helps Alabama. And they, I don't know if you saw, they're not letting the Alabama band come. They tried to stick them in like the 500 levels way up top. That adds some juice. You don't let them, bring, you don't let the boys bring the band. The boys are not going to be happy. Yeah, that, that, that extra, extra, you, that's the one team you don't want to sprinkle extra gasoline on the fire against. Yeah, no. That's just not a smart move by, uh, by UT right there. My last pick, kind of uh, a gut pick and a guy that I love. I'm going to take Wake Forest minus 12 and a half. Sam Hartman's back. Mm-hmm. Great great to see him back on the field. And, you know, who knows if he's going to be the Sam Hartman that, you know, we've come to know and I've come to love just from, like, I don't know, Wake Forest has become, like, relevant and kind of fun to watch with Sam Hartman. And Vanderbilt, I, I just can't figure them out. Like, I thought that Hawaii would cover in week one. And then last week I, I was – sadly watching them against uh elon because i needed to you know win that win that game and vandy just could never pull away so i really think wake forest is gonna lay it on them give me wake forest minus 12 and a half uh, sam hartman's gonna come back and ball out yeah wake forest they're, they're a fun team i actually i saw them play last year i went to the bc game in boston when they played them and boston college last year was a good team i mean they had uh, a first round guard on their team in zion johnson a uh, good center in uh, Alec Lindstrom and, you know, just an overall solid roster and Wake Forest went out and just beat up on them. And they, they're bringing back a lot of guys this year, especially with Hartman coming back. I think he plays good enough in that game to, to get them over that. What was it? 12 and a half hump. Yeah. 12 and yeah. a half at, at Vandy tough place to play, but uh, I'll take, I'll take the demon Deacons. All right. My last pick, uh, another game I, I kind of referenced back to, I like Iowa state plus three and a half against Iowa. I mean, when you just look at the atrocity that Iowa put up against South Dakota State, I just really like Iowa – or against South Dakota State, I really like Iowa State. I mean, uh, I think Matt Campbell's a great head coach. Turn that Iowa State program into a very serviceable one. I know you lose the your best player in Brees Hall from last year, but they're still just a very good team. They're a sound team that flies under the radar until bowl season rolls around and you realize that they're eight and two or, or, or seven and three and just – They've beaten a, a couple good teams. So I really like Iowa State, and I think that's a, a pretty small spread of them getting three and a half. I think they win this game against Iowa. I like that a lot, too. I don't know if Iowa can be this bad forever, but I guess we'll find out. I like Iowa State in that game as well. 
Uh, that'll wrap things up here on this week's episode of Is It Saturday? Is It Saturday? Yeah, I'd like to thank Andrew Diaz once again for hopping on. Liam Smith, of course, for being our trusty producer behind the scenes. And we'll be back next week to break down all the week two action, preview week three, and I'm hoping to God that my bets hit. So we will see you guys next week. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs>